This is the Retail Politics Podcast. Here we strive to give you the best political information about your nation. One download at a time. Here's your host, former congressional correspondent and award-winning reporter, Jerry Shields. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, listeners, for giving us 30 minutes of your precious time as we delve in to the issues confronting our country today. On the line today, I have the professor and chair of the political science department of the Colin Powell School at City College of New York and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Policy Research, Daniel DeSalvo. And we're going to talk about the hot political issue in America this week, which was Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. Thanks, Professor. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Talk about a political plane crash. Andrew Cuomo, who is the son of the former legendary Democratic torchbearer and former New York Governor Mario Cuomo, uh, was the political poster hero of, um, you know, how government should handle COVID. He had the very decisive, he had daily press conferences that were getting national attention. Uh, people were trying to draft him for president. And then there's, there's always been that ambition that he had. And a, I guess a very solid chance that he someday would be president. Today, he's being hammered for hiding the number of nursing home deaths. Uh, critics say he contributed that by requiring nursing homes to accept COVID infection affected seniors from the hospital. And then this week, three women have accused him of sexual harassment, uh, claims that are appearing to be very, very credible. What do you attribute this fall to? Well, I think one could start uh, even a little further back in time. I mean, we've Governor Cuomo's clearly going to, you could say, an Icarus moment. He was flying very high, as you suggested, uh, <laughs> and he's in a bit been brought low. But in a sense, you could say that you know the, some of the issues here are a bit deeper and go back a long way in his long tenure as governor of New York, which is to say uh, Cuomo has, has never really been loved, even by his allies in the Democratic Party and on the left of the political spectrum. Uh, more he's been feared. So in, in the great Italian political philosopher Machiavelli's phrase, choose, choose loved or feared, Cuomo has mostly chosen feared. <laughs> so in that respect, he hasn't uh, gained a great deal of sympathy and probably didn't have it. But I think the fall here is the double whammy, both of these issues, the scandal over the uh, nursing home uh, deaths and the way that those were counted to, in a sense, bolster the governor's image. Um, and then the sexual harassment things uh, coming on top of that. And clearly, I think in the wake of the Me Too movement and what's happened to other major political actors like Al Franken, a uh, senator from, who lost his seat from Minnesota, uh, that's, that's been the tougher one um, for Cuomo to handle. Does he survive this? I mean, there's really, uh, I mean, I saw a poll. He had 71% approval rating last year during this COVID thing. That's down to about 38%. Almost half the people polled said he should resign. Does he survive this? That's going to be a, a really interesting question. I would say it's impossible to predict the future here because especially when it comes to these sexual harassment issues is once the, you could say once the, uh, the dam is breached, you don't know how many more uh, claims and how many more serious claims lie in back of these. So uh, if more p women were to come forward, that would clearly be very, very damaging uh, to the governor. On the other hand, if, if no further women come forward and the governor has said so far he's not going to resign, he's going to let 
the an investigation uh, spearheaded by Letitia James, who's the state attorney general, uh, proceed under which Cuomo can be subpoenaed. So she, the the AG, has very powerful investigative powers. Um, and perhaps he's, if he's ready and willing to go through that and these claims can be uh, adjudicated in some way, perhaps he can ride out and wait out the, the, the storm over this. You know, he is the son of uh, Mario Cuomo, and Cuomo, I think, was um, remembered as an intelligent, witty guy and an exec, uh, a very good public servant who uh, knew the inner workings of government. People always wondered why he didn't run for president. Um, he wasn't an angel. I mean, when he ran against uh, Mayor Koch for governor, there was some disparaging, um, you know, slogans thrown out there raising uh you know uh, conscious sexuality so um I, I don't think he was an angel but does this tarnish his memory does this make people think like wow this is not mario cuomo well i don't ever think most people here in new york who are very accustomed to uh politics with sharp elbows um few people would mistake andrew cuomo for for his father his father was um you know a great public speaker. And that was his great charm, especially as kind of being a standard bearer for American liberalism um, in the 1980s when liberalism was a bit on the back foot and providing a counterpoint um, to the Reagan administration and Republican ascendancy in Washington. Andrew, on the other hand, uh, the son, uh, clearly grew up in politics in his father's administration, is not seen as a great public speaker. And despite many of his achievements for liberal causes, has never seen, been seen or as a champion of them. Right. And um, do you think uh, the, the, the sexual harassment claims, and there were some reports today about, you know, one person or a few people saying what a toxic place it was to work around Cuomo because of that fear factor that you talk about. Do you think this guy grew up in entitlement? I mean, I can't see that he suffered a lot in his life or that he has a real touch for the common person, but do you think that plays into, you know, some of his behavior right now? Well, I, I couldn't speak to that. I, I would say probably more pertinent is having grown up um, and started very young in his father's campaigns. And this has been commented upon by many people. And as you mentioned previously, campaigning for office uh, and elections in New York State tend to be bruising and hard fighting af- uh, affairs. Really, they're hard fought elections. Um, you know, lots of scandals, lots of stuff comes out. And, and that's where, in a sense, Andrew Cuomo really cut his teeth, was uh, campaigning in these. And, and that, I think, hard charging, take no prisoners attitude transfers over into his uh, governing style, um, even leaving it apart from any uh, issues of sexual harassment. And uh, what is it up there? Guys can't get dates or what? I mean, Spitzer, the former governor, he uh, he was found to be using prostitutes. And again, a guy who had some real promise, national promise. And then we had, of course, Anthony Weiner, which, um, you know, he was sending texts of his privates to women. And then even when he got caught and had another shot at running for New York City mayor, which everybody thought he would be, uh, did it again. So what, what do you make of this stuff? Well, the first thing one should probably say, in fairness to the governor is uh it, the charges that have emerged so far as, as damaging as they are um if they're true are, are not the uh, quite on the level of uh, regularly visiting prostitutes or engaging in uh the, the activities that wiener did with minors uh, online so i confess there's 
certainly politicians and political scandals and sexual harassment issues um, have a uh, you know have a long history. But clearly, you know, women are more um, empowered today to speak out about these problems. And um, in that sense, it's all, this scandal is a little bit different from the Wiener or Spitzer cases because here the, the women are coming forward. Mm-hmm. And in both mm-hmm. of those other instances, uh, they were found out by other means, right? Mm-hmm. In Spitzer's mm-hmm. case, due to legal investigations, and, in, mm-hmm. um, and also in the same instance with Wiener, neither of those would have been discovered otherwise. You said something very interesting before we, we started, and that was that New York is right now, the state legislature is in the budget process. And uh, tell us a little bit about that in, in the sense that from the political side, Cuomo may not be feeling as much pressure as he normally would. Yeah, in New York State, um, as a longstanding tradition of uh, budgets, which New York State's one of the highest spending states, this is a really, you know, we're talking uh, very large amounts of, of money as far as state budgets are concerned. It's a huge and complex process. And the governor, under uh, state law and past historic practice, has a lot of power to guide this whole process, meaning he sets really the terms of the entire debate. Um, so right now, Cuomo is really in the driver's seat as sort of shepherding that budget um, towards passage and really what it, the broad outlines of what it's going to look like. In that sense, because so much rides on the budget for everyone in the state legislature, and uh, you could see perhaps a relaxed motive to change horses in midstream. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about this nursing home scandal. Give us a little scaffolding on uh, what that situation is. The basics are that the Cuomo administration's uh, top officials, uh, meaning near close to the governor, um, went back and rewrote a report from the health department, which had um, classified uh, deaths, both people who were taken from nursing homes to hospitals and people who died in in the nursing home proper. Um, and that report then obviously had a higher total number uh, of deaths. And the governor's team went back and rewrote the report by reclassifying people who were taken, say, in, hosp- in ambulances from the nursing home uh, to the hospitals. And if they died in the hospital, then they weren't counted. This then lowered the figure but from about 9,000 deaths to about 6,000. Um, and that, of course, you could say burnished or preserved the governor's image as you know the crisis was not as severe. They were handling things better. Um, so this was all, you could say, a public relations tactic, um, very untransparent and, and unsavory, uh, leading to some resignations even from the professional staff in the, in the health department of New York State. And um, this seemed even more, I guess, egregious because he, as I said in the beginning, he was kind of held up as the the COVID hero in government. Him and even Donald Trump, I think, had praised him at one point and he had said some nice things about Trump. And um, does that make this more of a, you know, I guess more of a. Uh, troublesome for him. Political observers love to see the rise and fall of, of, of politicians. So it certainly attracts, uh, you know, there's certain glee or schadenfreude, you know, to see someone who's riding so high um, have a comeuppance. So there's mm-hmm. a certain, you could say, glee in that uh, in certain quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly, you know, undercuts the governor's claims to be you know, a promoter of science and transparency. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he was obviously writing very high on this, writing a book, in fact, in the middle sure, about sure. his, yeah, you know, before sure. the pandemic is even over. <laughs> it's not as if 
<laughs> he started. He, he doesn't capitalize on things. No, he yeah, would. we yeah. waited till 2022. The country was vaccinated. And now I wanted to reflect on this <laughs> very difficult year. No, right in the middle of it, I'm going to stop, pause, and write my book. In in terms of um, going forward, what's going to happen with that scandal? Is the state legislature going to investigate that? That is being currently investigated, and there's even potentially an investigation from the Department of Justice in Washington. So there'll probably be some investigation on, by the state legislature, which has already happened. There's been a, a few com- committee hearings about this. And there is some investigation going on um, from at a preliminary stage from from the DOJ. Yeah. So the other uh, Cuomo in all this is, of course, his younger brother, Chris Cuomo, who is a anchor on CNN's primetime show. And uh, they've been on camera kind of yucking it up and talking about things. And um, he is now I mean, during this pandemic and during all these things, he had interviewed his brother with someone some people had concerns with and now he's saying hey i I can't report on my brother as these scandals uh pop up do you see that as a double standard well you know that would be really something for uh cnn management to decide (laughs) whether this is uh, a double standard to interview your brother on public or political matters and probably also a question you could say for cnn viewers is this Mm -hmm. uh, something that's really trustworthy or is the brother uh, you know, Chris going to give Andrew a bit of a pass. Um, mm-hmm. You could also say that some of those things in the midst of the pandemic um, could be the case that really it was featuring the governor in order to allow for greater public information about the COVID-19 pandemic and not as so much as to uh, challenge his administration or what he was doing. Um, I think it probably makes sense in these, these delicate matters of sexual harassment um, for Chris Cuomo not to interview his brother if, if his brother would even be willing um, in the midst of an investigation to go on television. Right. And uh, Chris Cuomo's had some issues, too. I mean, um, he has uh, been involved in a few incidents off camera, but what were eventually filmed uh, um, where he had gotten um, angry and, and, and basically using that fear factor with a couple of, uh, of people out there. I think he was in covid um, and CNN made a big deal of that. They had features, him lifting weights and, you know, all these kind of things. And then he was walking out of his house in the Hamptons, you know, where all the celebrities live, and uh, ran into a bicyclist who noticed he wasn't wearing a mask and that he was outside. And the bicyclist said, hey, and of course, he's an antagonizer. He said, hey, shouldn't you be wearing a mask and shouldn't you be in the house? And Cuomo went off, or Chris Cuomo went off on him. And then there was an incident where um, a guy kind of, duped him and kind of drew him into the conflict, calling him Fredo, which was a reference to, you know, the weak son in the Italian movie, The Godfather, about the mob. And Chris said it was a racial slur and and all these things happened. I mean, do you think, I don't know, they seem to have a an, an equally difficult time with anger management. I mean, uh, where do you think that comes from? Do you, do, you, do you see it as a problem for him too? Well, I, I, I could say I, I don't know uh, well enough. And these, we only have a, a very small smattering of uh, aspects of his life outside of what we see as uh, the curated images of him as a TNN host. Um, clearly on the uh, Italian-American issue, that goes has very deep roots in the Cuomo family. Um, my last name also ends in a vowel, so I'm sympathetic <laughs> a little bit here, yes, uh, yes. which is um, th- about ethnic slurs about Italian-Americans. Um, Mario, their father, was very sensitive to, to some sure, of these issues. Sure. And these yeah. often go unpassed and unnoticed to 
to most Americans at this point. Um, But I can see why he took umbrage at the Fredo uh, reference. Mm -hmm. And clearly when it comes to, you know, mask wearing, not mask wearing in the course of the pandemic, uh, we all know that people's views and preferences and uh, risk, risk tolerances for things related to COVID uh, are changing on a daily basis. And this of course leads to, um, Lots of instances of hypocrisy and ridiculousness. Right, right. Sure, sure, what one sure. thought was appropriate last week is no, is no longer <laughs> appropriate this week. Um, clearly, and so in, among prominent Americans, um, you know, this has not been. Uh, Chris Cuomo is not alone in, in losing it uh, on this issue. I mean, just look at the California governor if you want a, a case study in some of these problems. You don't know what happened there. Um, the, the governor of California was. Uh, you know, her, you know, has enforced very vigorous lockdowns and other uh, strong interventions to prevent COVID and, you know, rhetorically, you know, encouraged Californians to be very vigilant mask wearing, but was then filmed at a very exclusive uh, private restaurant, um, unmasked with lots of other people unmasked ah, and no social right. distancing. I remember. Yes, yes. I remember, so yeah. that was one of those cases of the rules apply to thee, but not to me. Yes, yeah. Well, Chris did that too. He was telling America what to do when he when he was sick. And uh, but I, you're right. I saw a lot of people get lumped up over this mask thing. I mean, people in stores, and someone says, "Hey, you should have a mask on," and then they get beat up and dragged outside. So, yeah, I can see that. But so, what do you think is going to happen in a situation with Andrew? Do you think he survives it at all? Do you think he should? Yeah, well, it's it's really impossible to say at this point. I think the public's reaction now, um, as uh, one person put it is is to believe the women these claims seem credible um, but how extensive are they and Cuomo sh- indicates that he, he doesn't think that they're too serious in the sense that he's not willing to resign and he's willing to subject himself um, to an investigation by the attorney general um, so that's clearly, you know, perhaps there's less there than we think, but perhaps there's more there. And until mm-hmm. you could say an investigation uh, runs its course, we, we really can't say, of course. And in that sense, we also don't know, will, will more women come forward? Um, you know, many can claim that Cuomo created a leaving aside, obviously, sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, but he right. certainly wouldn't be the first politician um, <laughs> to have done that. Um, yes, that's part of the qualifications, yes. Yeah, and many a corporate manager can be <laughs> the same. Yes. But of course, the sexual harassment charges are you know, much more significant and more serious, and clearly they're going to be investigated now unless you know, something else would were to come up that would damage him further. Yes. And uh, do you think it affects his brother at all? You mean, you think, you think it, it spills over into the work he's doing uh, on CNN? That's hard to say. Um, you know, it's always a tricky situation when uh, a family member or sibling is in the news media and the other person mm-hmm. holds a, a, a prominent position of public mm-hmm. authority and public charge. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you know, almost a three-term governor. So this has been going on for a, a very long time. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's not going mm-hmm. to be covering this mm-hmm. story so that, and he could cover other things. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, I would say, you know, it probably gives him some space and leeway, at least in his professional life. Right. So I say, Professor DeSalvo, solve all this, work it all out. What would you like to see in this situation with Andrew Cuomo? Well, I think right now that, you know, what needs to happen is 
what is already happening, um, uh, an investigation into the gravity and seriousness of these sexual harassment allegations that would be sort of at the top of the list. And the attorney general's office is, is beginning that process. Um, and clearly an investigation into uh, other instances in the handling of the pandemic where the governor the governor's team may have uh, played a little fast and loose with their numbers. And so some investigation into those kind of internal processes that could reassure the public um, that's what's being done is really not being uh, massaged in a way to the advantage of the governor. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your insight, and we hope to have you back again. Uh, you, you, you did this on short notice, so we really appreciate it. And uh, you got some great insights and obviously know the New York political situation. So thanks a bunch, Professor. My pleasure to be with you guys. Hey, I want to bring in our technical producer, Brad, maybe weigh in on this issue. And how you doing, Brad? I am uh, I am good. How are you, sir? You're doing well. So you grew up in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York, and yes. That's right. And then you're a New York Mets fan. What do you make of all this? Cuomo stuff. You know, the funny thing is, you know, growing up in Buffalo, so I just turned 50, Mario Cuomo was the governor of New York State. I mean, like my my whole childhood, I think. Wow. He became the governor when I was 11, and he was governor until I was into my, like, 22, 23. That's when Pataki came in. So, I mean, the name Cuomo is, that's New York State. So, yeah. to have, like, one of his sons take on the mantle that was a that was a great fit it was it really truly was so i'm more devastated than probably most people across the country to see andrew acting so inappropriately i'm and i believe he should step down and and the funny thing is with with the guest on daniel you know he was he was he was equating uh what andrew did to what spitzer did saying it wasn't it wasn't as bad as as going to a prostitute but outside of the the sanctity of marriage what elliot spitzer was doing was between two consenting adults however prostitution was illegal in new york state it's legal in other states of the union and um i would look at that uh less Malicely, is that a word? Uh, I would look at that with less contempt. Yeah, you just made it up. It is now. It is now. Malicely, yes. I would look at that less malice. I would look at that with less contempt than than court. Yeah, well, I would I would look at someone going to a prostitute with less contempt than cornering a young woman in a room and 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 propositioning her the way that he did. If that's true. Yes, yes, yes. And it's kind of interesting, you know. I, there's a very um, there's a kind of a sadness with me with Andrew Cuomo because I just thought he had so much promise. I remember I was a mm-hmm. reporter in Baltimore and Baltimore was the first city to knock down all its projects. And Andrew was the Cuomo was the head of HUD and uh, they were building these things called Hope Six, where they were building kind of like middle income neighborhoods where, you know, poor people will, would be able to live next to people that had better means. And he came in and gave a speech and, and I've covered in 30 years. I covered tons. Of, I still think this is the most memorable speech I ever heard. He was standing up there near these projects and he said, we put people in cages. We put people in cages. And I was like, God, that's right. I mean, we did. So when he became governor, I thought, you know, this guy's destined um, for national prominence. If you, I mean, I know he had ambitions to be president, and and uh, but I thought he could have got there. And now I don't think so. I think he's done. I think he, and, and that's a sadness. And and the irony, the irony is, and this and Spitzer's in in this same boat. These guys were guys that got stuff done. They yeah. were doers. Yeah. They yep. made things happen. 
And, you know, their actions are going to ultimately lead to their downfall, and rightly so. But then you have a buffoon, a genuine (laughs) buffoon, rise to the office of presidency with all of that baggage of his sexual harassment and and, and, uh, hush money and uh, uh, porn stars. And yes, it just yes. to shrug it off with, I didn't do it. I forgot about her. Yeah. I didn't do it. They're lying. They're lying. Yes. I'm telling the was... truth. Believe me. And it's okay. Oh, all right. Sure. Okay. You got it. Yes. Yes. Well, that, that's the funny thing. He did so many things. I forgot about Stormy Daniels. I, that's that's in the rearview mirror way back. But um, yeah, I don't think Andrew, I don't think Andrew. I don't think Andrew survives this. Uh, Andrew Cuomo survives this. I'm more upset about Chris Cuomo. I mean, you know, being in the news business, this guy, he just doesn't come off as a news person to me. He's a celebrity. He's the, yeah, he's the CNN agree. version of Fox's Sean Hannity. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's tough. I don't know. I guess he is if he says so. But um, yeah, he's just testosterone afflicted or d- disabled or something. I don't know what that would be, but uh, yeah. yeah, to see him and, and to see him get pulled into to, to anger by these bozos who are obviously out to do that is really uh, and I think it's a I think it's a comment on all news broadcasting. You know, I see all this stuff and I think Walter Cronkite is sinking in his grave. I mean, these guys are not news people they're celebrities and he's living in the hamptons and you know i'm sure he can you know um you know understand what the common man's going through you know oh yeah uh and and the other thing about these two guys is they grew up under entitlement i mean they're they grew up you know I, i just you know i don't think they understand um you know, the common people's concerns and troubles and problems. And, um, you know, I, I think that entitlement makes them think they can bully people and, and force their way to get what they want. And um, I just hope if these investigations are done right and these issues are found to be true, that, you know, they get their comeuppance. It's funny that you mention the, uh, the, the bullying and it just really... It really just begs the question, what is going on with the level of governor? If you look back at the last 10, 15 years, there is quite a collection of of people that make it to the top office in their state and they they, they shouldn't be there. And, you know, here I'm living, currently living in New Jersey. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to, was was it Bridgegate? Was was that the name? That's right. That was uh, (laughs) Christie. Chris Christie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. And to the fact that, you know, that whole thing came and and went as far as it did in the courts meant something was going on there. And, and well, the way the that, that was, was looked at yeah. was that Christie yeah. was, was he created that atmosphere within his administration where people felt like they could act that way. Oh, and yeah. And, and that, the thing I loved about uh, Bridgegate was that his his underlings did this and said, oh, no, we did it on our own. Governor didn't know anything about this. They shut down <laughs> the city. Uh, they shut down traffic in the city, and the governor doesn't know about it. There's no way you do that without <laughs> your boss know, hey, we're going to shut down the city. We're going to show him. He didn't support <laughs> us. But anyway, well, and when Chris Cuomo calls and says he wants to fight, I think you and I should take him and Andrew on. We'll just do a, like a chat. 
charity thing or something. Because, well, when he calls, I'm going to pass them to you, actually. Thank well, you, buddy. Chris, Good to wow, chat. Well, you're, 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 I could go on. I, could, I was going to go yeah, on like Chris Kiske for another five minutes, but I know right. <laughs> that's another podcast, buddy. Well, all right, we are. See if we can get uh, him on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. In. Yes. <laughs> all right. We want to thank our executive producer Mike Gugat, and of course our technical producer Brad Baby, the Wizard of Pods. We want to thank our announcer Dave, and also our contributing voice talent, Mr. John One Take Terzis. Voice over Tampa Bay. I want to send out a special shout to Sever Avram, a listener from Romania over in Europe who gave us a, a like this week, and to Brenda Kruger Huffman, who manages the American Politics, Culture, and Economy LinkedIn group and has been very supportive of us. If you want to have some enlightening political discourse, join that group. Again, it's called American Politics, Culture, and Economy. Uh, if you want, send us an email, retailpoliticspodcast at gmail.com. Post a review on Apple Podcasts. And we will be back next week with a thrilling edition of the Retail Politics Podcast. Until then, always remember to read beyond the headlines. Have a great week. With the front row, award-winning reporter Gerard Shields takes you into the vanishing world of print news to a time when stories were reported, not invented or twisted. Imagine you have press credentials in the front row with Shields throughout his decades-long newspaper career covering political corruption, scandal, and heroics during the critical events of our time. With dozens of Amazon five-star reviews, Shields' latest work, The Front Row, is a passionate study of American journalism while delivering his own invaluable life lessons. The Front Row by Gerard Shields. Available now at Amazon.com.